Hello and welcome back to We the People, your favorite weekly Nintendo podcast. My name is Michael, and I'm joined by Matthew, the Catrello Games Duo, coming at you with a little bit of Nintendo news and impressions and reviews. Matthew, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm in the middle of uh, of moving right now, so you might hear a little bit of an echo uh, because I'm in an empty room. I, I got, so I was supposed to move this morning, but I got set back up to bring you the news my lovely fans, people out there, fans, people. Yeah, apparently there's a hurricane blowing through the southeast of the U.S. Uh, we're not really that affected. Um, I've got power and everything, but, you know, if you're in that region, all the best to you. Hope you're staying safe and uh, cozying up with some Nintendo Switch games. The cool thing about the Switch is if your power goes out, you can still play it for like two hours. Or like ten minutes, depending on the game, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, but that's the thing, man. We gotta we gotta weather the storm in order to bring everybody the news, you know. Yeah, at some point I'll have to make some sort of uh, poster or even just mention the brand on the podcast. But I found a battery when the Switch launched that is actually incredible. It, I mean, it's it's a pat it's a battery that's powerful enough to to charge uh, like one of the bigger MacBooks, so it can it can do like eighty five watts worth of uh, voltage and so it's a, a great power supply for the switch if you're going on that long portable session but i uh i don't remember what it's called uh so another time another time a little teaser for a for a future episode if you will all right matthew enough uh gallivanting around about our personal lives it's time to get into some nintendo news so we will start with uh, more more of a review discussion for Pokemon the Crown Tundra. Um, I I like kind of sat through Trevor's playthrough of it, and uh, all that is going up on our Trello Games YouTube channel. I think all of it's up there now, and uh, and so we have I have I've had that experience of of sitting in the the passenger seat of the game. And I've also played through the game and 100%ed it myself, meaning that I caught every Pokemon available uh, in the Pokédex. Haven't made my way through every legendary Pokemon, but we've gotten like half of them in the Dynamax adventures, and I've played uh, all the bonus modes and such. So, <sighs> cracks knuckles. Let me give you the 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 lowdown on it. Um, it's fine. So it's uh, it's nothing supremely special but it's uh, more pokemon if you're looking for it and th- I, I feel like i always have to mention this when we talk about pokemon stuff i'm a massive pokey stan uh so like there's certain times where i'd sit down to play and i'd just be looking at the the you know very unimpressive graphics with my my new sloking following behind me and i'd hear the the crown tundra music which is excellent and i'd just be like i'm home I'm here in Pokemon again. I just I love the series so much. Uh, the 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 Galarian formed Pokemon are cool. The the Zapdos is awesome. The other birds are okay. Uh, Galarian Slowking is awesome. I'm not a fan of uh, getting drip fed the old Pokemon. You know we've got like a few more, but still not all of them. Uh, some of the Pokemon are also just in the game. You know they don't have a Pokédex entry, so it's it's almost like you're you cheated to get them. Like uh, most notably, a lot of the starter Pokémon, you can bring in the Hoenn starters now, but they don't get a Pokédex entry or anything like that. They're just kind of there. Wait, are you uh, are you serious? I didn't notice that, but is that 
that's legit yeah yeah it's just a weird thing they did that with the um alolan starters as well is that they don't they don't count toward pokedex completion there's no national decks in there i guess if there was a national decks they'd uh, be ripping the band-aid off some old wounds with the community but yeah they just they're just kind of there uh there's a bunch of other pokemon that, there is like, like a proper crown tundra pokedex but they do that weird thing that the isle of armor also did where uh you know i've i've had my Pokedex complete up until this point. So when I get the new Pokedex entry, it's like, you've caught 160 Pokemon. I'm like, oh, great. I haven't started yet, but it seems that I've caught, uh, you know, 60% of all the Pokemon that are available in the Crown Tundra. And there's actually more when you can consider all the legendaries they're adding in. But, uh, but yeah, that part is a, is a little bit of a bummer, uh, especially when, you know, like someone's favorite Pokemon didn't make it. Uh, for me, uh, off the top of my head, like five of my favorite Pokemon didn't make it. They didn't put Breloom in or Parasect or Apom or Ambipom and um uh they didn't put Muck in. So like a lot of a lot of my favorites are are missing from the adventures, so I'll have to wait for, for them to come back. If you are um you know, let's say you're a, a Gen 4 fan, you don't get your starters, uh, no no second-gen starters, no sixth-gen starters, which is all very interesting because based on that, uh, that prototype leak that we saw uh, last week, you know, Greninja was definitely in the game at some point. You know, the, you can load him up in the demo, and he looks, uh, I mean, he looks about as what you'd expect. Those models were made to scale up into higher quality resolution so they could do it i imagine you know my my guess at why they haven't is uh the they do make a few extra animations for the pokemon so like when you're camping the the pokemon eat and they walk around and they they do little animations for that i imagine that's what held up the rest of them from getting added but you know it is a bummer that they're gone uh, i would i would like either a very good looking pokemon game or to have all the pokemon uh, but this in between where the game looks really rough and it, and you know <laughs> if you, you enable either. the internet it runs at like 15 frames a second also you don't get all the pokemon it's it's kind of the worst of both worlds well you but, know what um, you know what's depressing to me about it really is that it seems like there's a lot of choices of pokemon that would really fit the galar theme and aesthetic that weren't included like one of my favorite pokemon from gold and silver is granbull and i just feel like Granbull, I was telling you this the other day that I feel like he fits the whole Galarian theme really well. I mean, they could have even given him a Galarian form and it would make a lot of sense. But just there's a lot of odd omissions that I just think you look at and it's like that Pokemon looks like they would belong in this region or that you could see them being in a more European, colder themed region. But um but then you get some Pokemon that just stand out like a sore thumb that it's like, you know, even the, I love Marowak. Marowak's one of my, either my favorite or my second favorite Pokemon, but I don't really feel like he belongs in Galar as much as someone like Granbull or another Pokemon would, you know, like it's just, um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's the choices that didn't make it back that I find the strangest. Yeah. Especially cause they had a bunch of these Pokemon in that demo uh, that were just kind of, they were in there like Beedrill and, and Pidgeot, uh, but they, you know, just kind of changed them eventually. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will say, yeah, there's, there's certain strange emissions, especially when you consider, um, what, what is happening in the crown tundra that it's like, you know, it's snowing most of the time. That's kind of the, the theme is that you're in a, this wintry place 
and they they brought back some starters, but not the ice or the the water and steel one that that the penguin and polion that feels like would be perfect for this. So yeah, I don't really know their selection process, but um, my conspiracy theory is that I mean you see a lot of Gen Four. Um, missing, and you see a lot of Gen Two missing. I think we're, you know, it has to do with like they're going to add the rest of those guys in with a Let's Go Johto and a, um, what's it called? Uh, a Let's Go Johto and a Gen Four remake in the style of Gen Eight. And I think you know there maybe we'll get everybody back, maybe, but uh, but there's still quite a bit of Pokemon that are missing, and um. Yeah, it's just a shame because, you know, each one of those Pokemon is someone's favorite Pokemon. And um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, but there's, you know, not not much that could be done about that at this point. Uh, one could only hope that whatever they're doing at Game Freak, it's it's going to be a bigger deal. Uh, you know, we, we were playing through and I was, I was telling Matthew that uh, most of the fossil Pokemon came back and... It's kind of weird because in in the lore of Pokemon, these are extinct creatures, but you just see Aerodactyl flying through the sky. You see, right. you know, the occasional Omanite swimming in the water. And, well, that's what uh, I was telling you. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense that these are fossil Pokemon, but they just exist in the wild in Galar. It's like, did they just go extinct in the rest of the Pokemon worlds? But here, they're thriving animals. Uh, on top of that, they're they're usually rock types because they're fossils, you know, that are being, um, you know, Honestly, revived. I feel like they, I, I think it's odd to see, like they should have had like a, a, you know, a, a new version of Aerodactyl, for example, that's like an alive version, not a fossilized version. Yeah. I honestly think that they probably would have made like some sort of fossil harvesting mini game, or you get the fossils and restore them as you do in the rest of the games. But they just, you know, didn't feel like putting in that extra work. It, much of this this pack seems like a a um what's it called a, a minimum viable product. But what I will say about the fossils is, you know, they're, they're one of the last Pokemon uh, I I found was Lilip who evolves into Cradley, and I'm like, where does this guy turn up? I, I looked, you know, up and down the Crown Tundra a million times, and so I look it up, and you have to fish for it. You have to fish. For a rock and grass type. But it's because, like, you know, what Lilip was, based on the Pokedex entry 100 million years ago, was a creature that lived in the water. And, uh, yeah, just just playing through that and talking with talking through it with you gave me the idea that, like, man, it'd be so cool if they made a game, like a prehistoric set Pokemon game, where you see Aerodactyl and, like, whatever type he was. Maybe he was, like, a flying and fighting type or something like that. And you see uh, Lilip, who's a water and grass type who lives underwater. You know, Omanyte could be, you know, like, just a, just a base water type instead of, you know, all the emphasis on rock. But, um... Oh, my goodness, dude. You just described my there. dream Pokemon game. I don't know why I've never even thought about that. Like, a Pokemon game that's just set in the age of... Well, I know it, it's not technically dinosaurs in the world of Pokemon, but, like, you're somehow able to go back in time and... I don't know. I don't know how they would do it. It probably wouldn't make any sense because you would have to have trainers and gym leaders and all these different things. But maybe they go to the past and they they set all of that up. And, you know, it, it could yeah, have a I mean, pretty cool story, too, because then it could be about the bad guys are trying to change history or something of that nature. But that'd be really cool because then, like, Lily could be a grass and water type. 
it loses its rock typing because it's not a fossil anymore. And obviously, you would have yeah, some Pokemon, a, a Pokemon there still rock types, but... Yeah, I mean, they could also, like, just kind of jerry-rig them into any other Pokemon game through some, like, time travel. Like, you can time travel to, like, this small part of any of the ancient world and go catch them just roaming around there, and they'd be, like, slightly different versions. But, I mean, you'd change their color a little bit, maybe give Aerodactyl, like, you know, some scales and feathers or something like that. There, there's, like, slight adjustments you'd make to every guy, and that'd be an awesome spin-off Pokemon game because you'd only have to make it with, like... You, I would love a Pokemon game where they just were like, here's the 150 guys that are here, take it or leave it, but it's still, like, an amazing experience that has, like, much better visuals and better gameplay planning because they're just trying to do too much right now, and they just don't don't really well, now you're excel getting, at any of it. Well, now you're actually describing something that I think is Pokemon's fatal flaw and the reason why people have reservations about it every new entry when... You know, especially you get something like this where you don't get all the Pokemon back. But I think it's because of the precedent that that they've established over the years is that you're going to have all, you know, at the time, 300 Pokemon available. And then the next game and then all 400 and then all 500 and then all 600. And then it just it gets to a point where eventually it's unreasonable to expect that many Pokemon to be included in a game. Like, imagine if they were making a Pokemon game that didn't look like a PlayStation 2 game. And then you're telling them, okay, now create like 900 unique bottles. And I know games do that. Like Dragon Quest is a perfect example of that. But I just think that it would be asking. It would be a tall task, you know, and I'm sure it is for Square Enix with with, uh, Dragon Quest. And then having unique animations, which is something Pokemon doesn't already have. But I think if Pokemon from the get-go basically said, here's your Pokemon for this region, then you get to the next game, now you got these guys. Then you get to the next game, now you got these guys. Instead of shoehorning all the previous Pokemon into every game, you know, and I think it would help each Pokemon game kind of stand out on its own. As much as I love the older generations and the older Pokemon and being able to continue to use them, I think that's the part that now every game going forward, people are going to expect... Like, what is it now? Like, like 800 Pokemon? Now you're going to get it the next game, and now it's like, well, where's the whole thousand? Then you get the next game. Well, where's all 1,100? You know, and so on and so forth. And I think eventually you're going to end up with, like, tens of thousands of Pokemon because Pokemon's not going anywhere. So, you know, like, it, it, I just think that's why I was of the mindset when they were making a Pokemon game for the Switch that they should just blow it up, that they should just reinvent what Pokemon is just retell the story of red and blue which is you know it's kind of right they ended up doing let's go eevee and pikachu but those were just straight remakes you know i think they should have taken that era that region and all the same characters and all the same cities and everything like that all the same pokemon but you reinvent the way that it's played like make it a you know we always talked about like a legend of zelda breath of the wild style where like a you can walk up to Pokemon and you can catch them in a live setting. It's no longer a turn-based thing except for when you do gym battles or trainer battles. You know, all the PvP stuff is still RPG setting. But I think as far as how you interact with Pokemon in the wilds, like, it'd be cool to do it more like that because there would be more engagement, interactivity, but then also there'd be puzzle-solving elements within the world, which Pokemon already has, but you could flesh that out more. Anyway, I don't want to get off topic here, but I just think that's why they should have looked at maybe blowing up the franchise and doing something different because now you've just created this idea where you're going to keep doing that going forward and you're just going, you've already set this precedent that like if you don't include Pokemon, it's going to make a lot of people upset 
and that's put them in. You know, it's it's kind of like they're they've backed themselves into a corner, so to speak. Yeah, and I mean this. Uh, I think that you could also just make Pokemon a lot more exciting by just giving the UI an overhaul. I mean, you, you get into some of these battles, especially when you're in a, a Dynamax battle with with four players, and you know someone. You could do something like, uh, you know, in the in some of the matches I was playing yesterday, there was a sandstorm and grassy terrain up, and so we had to we had to watch everyone get hit by the sandstorm one by one. Psh, 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 psh. Grassy terrain. And then Leticolo has leech seed going. And then I have leftovers. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Do you see how boring that is? Like, like, and that—that's the part of the game that you're, you're not even allowed to play or skip or or fast forward. And there's just little UI tricks that they can do where the sandstorm is raging, and then all four HP bars appear at the same time. Bam! I think even Battle Revolution did that, but um, but even if it didn't, like, like. It's it's entirely possible. Or if you um you know, if if you use a move like uh like swagger and it boosts their attack. Wait. And now it confuses them. Just do both of the effects at the same time. Put a little attack up icon next to uh the guy while he's getting confused. There's so many little tricks that they could do to just make the UI better. And then instead of like, you know, you entering a sep- separate battle instance where it's got to introduce the Pokemon, oh wow, it's uh, it's uh, Duraludon. I'm gonna send out my Pokemon. Go Swampert. And then like, all right, now you can play the game. Just like like the moment that you make contact with Duraludon, switch the camera perspective to tell you tell the player that they're in a battle. And then give them quick options to just, like, go ahead and attack or switch Pokemon. Just grease the wheels. But I think, honestly, honestly, part of me thinks that they they like how clunky and long everything is because it makes it, it inflates the length of the game. You know, the game would probably, I mean, Sword and Shield would probably have been, like, a 15-hour game if they, um, if the battle system wasn't so slow. But, uh... But yeah, I mean, they're just trying to do everything, and I think because they're trying to do everything and they don't have time to do everything, everything is just like a minimum viable product. And the Crown Tundra, no exception. So, you know, you're you're kind of led in with the expectation that you're going to be meeting this mysterious guy and going on adventures with him. You don't. You do one Pokemon battle with him. He has two Pokemon. You know, you're, you're here at the end of the game, and, and every trainer still has like one or two Pokemon. Fantastic. Um, but... But that that character's introduced, uh, you know, telling you his name or what he's like is really not necessary because he only exists to tell you exactly what to do and where to go. And um, and so that's a disappointment because it, it seemed like, oh, maybe that was Chairman Rose. It's not. It's just a guy and he's a gym leader somewhere or something. And uh, and that's that's all there is with that. <clears throat> There's a the the quest to get the legendary Pokemon is incredibly boring. Uh, so the legendary Pokemon appears, and you you do an introductory battle with him. Uh, but I think he literally only knows two moves, and so it's it's one of the easiest, most uneventful battles ever. And then they're like, "All right, the next quest, go talk to the villagers." 
And then you report back to him. All right, go talk to the villagers again. And then, all right, go get carrot seeds. Plant a carrot, and then you bring it somewhere. And that that's the entire... That's the entire, uh, you know, quest for the legendary Pokemon. I mean, no, in the old games had like cool little puzzles. They had caves that you had to navigate and survive through to get to the legendary Pokemon. Not here, man. It's just kind of a cakewalk. And, um, you know, it's just, it's not like terrible or not worth doing, but it's definitely kind of boring. And just, again, like it's just the minimum viable product, the the absolute minimum that will work. You know, there's there's no animations for specific things like pulling a carrot out of the ground or placing it somewhere. Uh, there's there's approximately I think like two cutscenes that happen uh, that are you know like they're they're animated enough that they're they're there and um, and you know it becomes like a kind of a cool moment when you get to the the climax of it. But but again, it's just kind of like the 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 bare minimum of of what they they had to do there. Uh, there's no trainer battles in the crown tundra. Um, you know, there's, there's like, there's the one that, that happens when you get in there. And I think that's, I think that's literally the only one. Yeah. No one else has uh, no, no trainer battles on the crown tundra. Um, so it's basically just another wild area. And, you know, I, there's certain parts of the wild area that are cool. Like, you know, you, you're just walking around, then you see the gigantic T-Rex Tyrantrum walking around. And it's like, that's an exciting moment. Or you, um, you know, you see the faint outline of Dratini swimming in the water. Like, oh, that's a rare Pokemon. Let me go and grab that. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely pluses there in the Crown Tundra area is cool. I like the aesthetic of the, 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 um, the snow blowing and, uh, and the big Dynamax tree, the the abandoned cathedral, like it's all it's all cool stuff. But but again, just kind of like you know, a lot of the environments come off as a poor man's Breath of the Wild. They're they're very, I mean, and Breath of the Wild isn't the best looking game in the world, but this is just you know somehow even even worse than that. And uh, you know, because they're they're not like investing in anything like mini maps or any like in-game clues on what you're supposed to do or any UI changes that aren't already in the game. They, uh, they just kind of have you doing these incredibly obtuse quests where like, I think at this point, Pokemon knows that Cerebi's going to do their heavy lifting and they just don't even bother explaining how their games work anymore. Uh, because you know, you can just look it up online, <laughs> uh, which is, which is funny. Like that Pokemon simultaneously, thinks that you are um you are too dumb to understand that everybody took you know one eighth or one sixteenth or however much damage from a sandstorm at the same time you need to see it play out individually for four people and they think you're smart enough to know what the battlefield got weird means like that that's what it says when you set up psychic terrain it doesn't feel the need to explain that, but it feels the need to explain everything else in excruciating detail. So oh, I, dude, I think it's just I, there's. I don't even know what the battlefield got weird means still. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, like basically, you know, like did you play Sun and Moon? And if if you weren't a big Sun and Moon guy, then you gotta you Which gotta look it up. I wasn't. I wasn't. It was by maybe my least favorite Pokemon game, that or X and Y or this one. So yeah, I mean, I have no idea what it means. Yeah. So so I mean, it's. You know that 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 stuff's really annoying. Where it's just like they they really need to tighten up the screws on that. I think like the competitive angle all works. The battle mechanics all work. They're great as always. And there's there's some uh, you know cool new abilities and team combinations that come as uh, 
come come along with this, but uh, you know, it's just some of some of these things are just the the most obtuse things in the in the world, and they just uh, yeah, they don't they don't feel the need to really like clue you into what's happening because then they would have to you know do work for that. You know, one of the funniest funniest quests is the Spear Tomb is in this game, and the way that you get him is reminiscent of the way you get him in Diamond and Pearl, where you have to encounter other people and talk to them in the overworld. So you, you connect to the internet, which is funny that they locked one of the characters to having an online active online Switch membership, but you know, it's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, you have to talk to 32 people, but the game is is so terribly bad at loading while there's other people roaming around the wild area that it gets really, really hard to like talk to people because they'll be there and then they'll instantly disappear. And, um, it's just like, man, you guys really, really put this out there. I mean, I, honestly, I would have just, you know, had him appear when he talked to the tombstone because it's embarrassing when you're like on a quest to talk to people who are constantly disappearing and appearing, uh, because the game is, is not good at loading other players in the wild area. Which I keep off most of the time. I mean, it's it's a cool concept to see other trainers roaming around doing their thing, but your frame rate tanks, and there's not really any gameplay reason to do it outside of that that one quest. Um, but you know, that's that's just kind of the Crown Tundra. It's just kind of the minimum viable product. Now, I will say some of the 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 cooler angles of it were like the um, the Galarian birds are awesome and and tracking them down is fun. They they basically spread out. You have to find one in the original wild area, one in the Isle of Armor, one in the Crown Tundra, and there's a bit of a chase that that you have to go through to catch up to them and and start the battle, which is a great riff on the whole roaming Pokemon thing that they've been doing since uh, Gen two. Way 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 cooler than like tracking them and and you know looking around in, inside of the grass for Entei. Um, the Swords of Justice thing is cool too. You, you find these little like footprints and, and it's just something to do while you're, while you're roaming around the wild area. The, you have to collect like 50 footprints to reveal one of these Pokemon. And there's uh, three of those Pokemon, which sounds like a daunting task, but they put more footprints in the wild area than you need. And that's what's nice about it. And they're all contained in their own separate areas. So you kind of know what you're doing. Uh, not too hard at all. And um, it's a cool way to get those roaming Pokemon back from the, the Unova region. Uh, the other thing is the Galar Star Tournament where you can go and um, go back to the Pokemon League and you do multi-battles, which means you you fill one slot and then you have a teammate and then you do a double battle against uh, other two people. And so you have the, the chance to team up with characters from the series like hop or Marnie or Leon. Uh, and I actually had a lot of fun with this. So, so at the first round you, you, you can choose who you team up with out of like eight people. They're just some of the early gym leaders in um, hop and Marnie. So I teamed up with Marnie uh, because she seemed like the most appealing out of everybody. And uh, we went through the Pokemon League, and I won the battle, and then it said that more people would be available. And so you go back in, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I want to team up with Peony. I liked him from the, the Crown Tundra. I know he's got Steel Pokemon. It'll work great with my King learning Sludge Wave. And, uh, and you go back there, and, and now you can only team up with four people. And so you have to keep playing that same set of battles in order to unlock everybody, uh, which, you know, like it's it's a cool idea but they 
it's it's kind of like the the biggest problem with that Kirby fighting game is that you you get that game and you you get a couple friends together and you're like all right well let's let's jump into this like, oh can I be King Didi no there's like four characters that are available from the start and you just have to grind your teeth to get the rest of them and that's that's the same thing that's here I mean they're fun battles but every single time the the trainers that you encounter have the same three Pokemon and have the same strategy they use them in the same order and and so it's just not worth playing that many times to unlock the teammate that you actually wanted to team up with like i would have loved to team up with leon he's a cool character from the gala region i would have loved to team up with the uh the kung fu guy from the isle of armor or the peony from the the newest adventure but you know you just have to grind your way toward that but um but you know all in all like i had a pretty good time it's it's still like the the core battle and catching mechanics of pokemon are still great the returning pokemon re recapturing them was was great and so you know it's it's still like just a, a an enjoyable experience but you you have to you know it's it's like it's like here's this nice this nice uh this nice brownie I baked you. I also included sand in the recipe, so you're going to get a little bit of a gritty and strange and unwanted taste in it, but uh, but it's still a brownie. It's still mostly brownie, and that's that's really how, how I would uh, describe that part of it. Yeah, I, I do like the Dynamax adventures, though. I mean, it's fun enough. Like, it's, it's, it's nothing spectacular, but I do like that... Um, you're able to cycle through all these different Pokemon. At first, I was apprehensive to the whole uh, idea that you can't use your own Pokemon because I'm like, well, what's the point of getting Pokemon you like in, in EV training and IV training them? And if, if you're me, then you're not EV training and IV training them. You're just trading you and... Uh, I'm just trading with you and Trevor, but that's <laughs> beside the point. <laughs> but but my whole point is you, you train these guys and then you don't even get to use them. But I actually really like the idea now. It's like playing Pokemon Stadium where it gives you the opportunity to use a, a bunch of different Pokemon. You don't know what to expect with their movesets and natures. I would venture to say 90% of the time they put most of the Pokemon you're able to use in favorable situations, except for Obama Snow. Come on, Pokemon. Come, come on, Game Freak. What is soundproof? Oh, yeah, yeah. D- yeah, that's, come on. that come was on. so weird. Yeah. So it's, They gave it's, him soundproof. Instead yeah. of uh, snow warning, it's like what? What are you doing here? Yeah, and and uh, to couple that with a a bunch of um, underwhelming moves, yeah, not, not he wasn't particularly put in a great situation. But I would venture to say ninety percent of the time they put most of the Pokemon in favorable situations with favorable natures, uh, or sorry, uh, abilities, and so. I, I actually like that a lot. It's like playing Pokemon Stadium where, like I said before, you get the opportunity to try out a lot of guys you don't normally get to use. Like one guy I used when we were playing the other day was Magneton, which I don't normally play with Magneton, but I like almost every Pokemon from the first generation. And so for me, it was fun just playing with another Pokemon that I like, but I've never liked enough to use him over other Pokemon from that game. And so I really like that about that. I also like that the comms don't try to screw you as much as they do in the um, in the Dynamax battles and Gigantamax battles that you would do in the wild area. For some reason, they seem to make the right decision most of the time, except for that one time where we wanted one of them to, I think it was Eldegrass, we wanted him to just use a grass attack on Gastrodon, and he kept like... Oh yeah, I don't yeah, know. You kept, you use Cotton Guard and yeah. then Light Screen. It's yeah. like, it's just, like just, dude, just attack. You would one shot him if you just attacked him. Yeah, and he did yeah. like over half his health when he finally did 
use like I don't you know definitely razor need to be leaf playing or something. With, yeah, you need to be playing with friends who you can talk to. Uh, it's, I don't think, I don't imagine it'd be a great experience online with random people because they'd be, like, everybody would be trying to claim the same Pokemon. You can't really, like, strategize and yield to each other at the right times. That is true, yeah. So, and and I I have to say, even playing it with three comms, I didn't enjoy it either, but playing it with you and Trevor was a lot of fun, and it'd be even more fun with just a fourth person. So, I do enjoy that, Um, and it's... I think it's a little silly that you just get to the end and you basically get to catch a legendary Pokemon for free. I feel like the whole legendary Pokemon idea has been so diminished over the years. Um, It's kind of like somebody who says sorry too much. You know, once you apologize too many times, it loses its value. When you actually are really sorry about something, it's it's not you, you don't feel like it's a genuine apology. And the parallel i'm trying to draw there is that's kind of the whole thing with legendary pokemon now there's just they're in every game now they're so frequent there's no like lore or or feeling of like there's only one of these pokemon that exists out there and they've eluded the human eye and stayed out of the limelight all these years and you know like it's just it doesn't feel special anymore it just feels like oh dude there's legendary pokemon let's go get him you know and i don't know i i miss that feeling from playing let's go uh, Pikachu and Eevee again, finding like the legendary birds and Mewtwo and like it just it's such a special and overwhelming feeling and I really miss that with finding legendary Pokemon now. Same for for, for Ho and and Lugia and the three dogs. Um but that's the only thing I don't like about the end of that. You get to the end and it's just like, oh dude, it's it's Ho Alright, let's just uh, cool. The battle's really now. fun though. Yeah, but yeah, like, that's I- what I'm saying. The battles are fun. Um you know Yeah, they have the it's it's Dynamax four versus one, but they don't have that terrible shield idea where they're like, all right, now, you right. know, just mash the same attack 15 times until his shield disappears. Right. And that's what I, I was, love I was, that choice. And I was going to mention that, that like from a gameplay mechanic standpoint, I think they refined some things, which I don't know if those same ideas apply to the regular Dynamax and Gigantamax battles now, I would venture to say no, but if they do, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so the, the battles are fun. The, the Going on an adventure together is fun. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it, much more so than I thought I would. So that's the positive I can take away from the Crown Tundra is that, like you said, it's pretty bare bones as far as like what it's offering you. Uh, just like I think the Isle of Armor was. I mean, I think the Isle of Armor was kind of a joke, to be honest. Like, when you take the bear sightseeing, I'm like, is this a legit, like, thing you're you're supposed to be doing for fun in this game? Um, but, uh, you know, and it just felt like it was, it was uh, like, in sports, stat padding. But in this case, like, time length padding uh, to justify oh, yeah. you purchasing yeah. the DLC. But, uh, but I think, like I said, the Dynamax Adventures, I'm like, that's fun enough. Yeah, I got to say that that really is the standout part of this this uh, expansion. And, you know, the expansion is kind of weird in that sense where you'd expect Dynamax Adventures to be unlocked at the end of doing everything else. But they give you an option to just do the Dynamax Adventures instead of all the other stuff. And I got to say, like, whoever made that decision, bravo, because he really figured out, like, what, you know, what was the fun part about the game, not making people slog through the boring parts to get to it. But, yeah, I mean, I have I have a lot of the same things that, that I like and also don't like about it. I mean, um, you know, some of the things I, I really liked about it is that 
We were able to strategize with grabbing different Pokemon, like Matthew started with Torkoal, with Drought, and I had Ivysaur with Chlorophyll. It's like, you know, it's cool when you can strategize and grab a bunch of Pokemon that play well together, and then as you're going through the journey, you can strategize which Pokemon you want to recruit, and who gets to recruit them to, you know, just build a strong team. It falls apart a little bit when the Pokemon just have the most nonsensical stat allocations and builds where, you know, like we mentioned, Obama Snow, like the the Pokemon that were basically his whole niche in Pokemon since Generation 4 is that he can bring a hailstorm. They give him soundproof instead for some reason. Like that's never going to come in handy. And then the rest of his moveset is really bad as well. So it's like just why do you exist? You're just kind of a liability because you have 15 weaknesses um, and you can't use like your strong blizzard attack. I mean, there's there's and then there's other Pokemon like Blaziken where they're like, all right, so he has this hidden ability speed boost that originally, uh, you know, jettisoned him into the legendary tier in the in the early days of like uh, of Gen 5. You know, Blaziken used to be a Pokemon that was banned in every tier except for legendaries. Uh, and then he has coaching, which raises the attack and defense of every Pokemon on your team, and then a viable move set on top of that. So he's got like just a million options, and you're just like, what? What are you guys doing? The other thing I've noticed is that we keep seeing the same Pokemon that we can recruit, and so it seems like a pretty small, um, small group of them are actually available. Uh, which I hope they. Um, you know, like expand or, or patch in, but I, I don't, I don't imagine they're going to, they're done with this game. They, they made their money and they're going to take the ball, go home. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, I don't that's know, they one might of the sell, things. I mean, if there's, I mean, if it's, if, I mean, if smash has taught us anything, they'll come back and if they've sold enough DLC, they'll definitely keep doing it. I mean, I think there's going to be a third fighters pass in super smash bros. The more I think about it with the rumors they've had circling around that in the past, uh, I think it was planned ever since they saw the initial sales from the first one. I think if Pokemon did well enough, there I wouldn't be surprised if there was more add-ons that, you know, find a way to shoehorn all the old Pokemon into the game. But I just think uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the DLC didn't sell all that well. Because I think a lot of people bought Sword and Shield because it was a Pokemon game. But I remember after it came out and people bought it, there was a lot of, like, dissatisfied comments i'd see on on non-game mainstream websites like facebook for example and i think that has made a difference where a lot of people bought the game but they didn't necessarily like it so i'd be interested to know how well the isle of armor and crown tundra dlc sold but if it did well i wouldn't be surprised if they did more for the game well, I think this was their their version of doing a third version that they would release next year, and I think they're just going to move on to the next like fully priced sixty dollar thing. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. And now that I'm I'm seeing like a list of all the available Pokemon for for this, and it seems like pretty extensive. But we, I guess, we were just kind of getting unlucky and seeing like the same guys over and over again. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then it's kind of like the dice roll on on who actually is built well and who isn't because there's a bunch of guys that just aren't worth using at all because their movesets trash and uh and it's weird because they definitely know how to build the pokemon i mean like there's certain like very easy uh, peanut butter and chocolate combinations like uh obama snow with snow warning and blizzard like it that's just you know it's it's first grade but they just uh you know it's first grade pokemon game freak yeah, 
Uh, but yeah, that 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 aspect is cool. And honestly, like th- this whole formula is really good. I, honestly, it could be turned into like a spinoff game if they really wanted to lean into it. You know, kind of like a Pokemon Battle Revolution or Stadium, where you know you just have like the the whole like having limited rentals and then you know getting to swap them through your battles is just such a such a satisfying idea. And there's just a million different combinations with Pokemon that you can do that that just makes it a lot of fun to to go back into and the legendary aspect i mean it's it's kind of funny how they make every legendary pokemon have a hundred percent catch rate uh i see why they're doing this that you don't want to like have four people invest all this time into doing the dynamax adventure and then at the end of it only one person walks away with legendary uh but at the same time, it does remove any tension from that that moment. Uh, so it's fun to battle them, and you know, it's an, the legendary Pokemon. I always see them as like just little trophies you have in your game. Is like a, I did that, uh, but you know, it's a, so that part's fine enough. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 it is weird how they trivialize the catching uh, with with that that whole thing. But um, but yeah, I think that's the standout part of the 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 whole package in um you know a fun way to catch up on all the legendary pokemon if you haven't played a bunch of the pokemon games like if you missed gen 7 you can go catch all the abominations that came from that game uh and you know then then you'll have them and you didn't have to play sun and moon (laughs) which uh you know if you're me that's uh that's probably a good thing to save yourself the trouble i did not enjoy that game sad to say i liked it a lot but i i did not I did not give the Ultra Beast thing any attention. I, I that's where that's where my interest oh, died. Man, I, I, once I, I loved, saw a muscular mosquito. I loved the first five games, and then once we got to X and Y, I'm just like I was so heartbroken. And then I'm like, oh, surely they'll return to form with Sun and Moon. And then it was just even worse. And I'm like, man, well, I don't know. I, I think X and Y actually is my least favorite, but that's a discussion for another Sun day. Moon's suddenly, a lot better. Suddenly, we became uh, instead of we the people, were we the Pokemon because. We had a lot yeah, to say. Yeah, a little too much to say, but um, but yeah. So that's that's the Pokemon stuff, and you know we'll be done with talking about Pokemon until uh, Pokemon Unite comes out. <laughs> it's weird because that franchise is almost like bigger than anything. You, I mean, you could combine like any three Nintendo properties, and they're not as big as Pokemon. Uh, one just day, as a one day, Donkey Kong phenomenon. One day, Donkey Kong will be bigger. Just, just yeah. Mark my words, one day. Nintendo fans. Mark my words. The crystal right, coconut well, will rise the, again. The the ruler of Congo Bongo. Uh, the let's go through the Nintendo Partner Direct. This was a sneaky one. They called it a Partner Direct, sneaky. but then showed a bunch of first party stuff. So, um, which means or at least like first party. No, there's probably no direct coming for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, when well, I think they said that that's the last partner showcase. So, yeah, I mean, conceivably, this is this is the last info we're getting for the rest of the year. I don't know why it dropped two days before Pikmin came out. Seems like kind of weird timing. You think you'd want to schedule that for like a couple days after Pikmin comes out, but you know that that's. I'm I'm not Nintendo. Uh, my name is not Reggie Nintendo. So what do I know? Uh, yeah, I, I mentioned that default. to you. I thought that was a really bad bad idea. Um, was to you know yeah, do it's, that it's, because it's it's kind of taking the focus off of Pikmin. I think really undeservedly so because I think Pikmin three is eighteen times the game that that Zelda Dynasty Warriors is, but. But it's just that thing. It's it's the Zelda bump, you know, and and a lot of people are focusing on that now. So I don't want to dive too much into that, but I, I do think that's a 
a very peculiar decision on Nintendo's part. Yeah, so I um yeah, I, I have I have Pikmin 3 loaded up on the Switch and it's ready to go and and here I am playing uh Dynasty Warriors demos and uh and you know seeing how part-time UFO controls on the Switch and then there's a bunch of other games that launched too. It's just very weird timing. But who knows? Maybe maybe they had some contractual obligation to announce one of the games by the end of October or some something of that nature. But we start our little mini direct adventure with Bravely Default 2. This is the continuation of the 3DS series that was a collaboration between Nintendo and Square Enix. Uh, a very classic kind of RPG, and, and they lean really heavily into that, where it's just like heroes, crystals, quest, and and so it's it's. It's a really old school RPG experience for those looking for it, and uh, it's coming to the Switch. And my goodness, I would say this this game looks really rough visually. Is that just me? Well, but I would I would say honestly, what JRPG doesn't look? I mean that that's kind of my thing with a lot of these JRPG games that just are so oversaturated on the 3DS and the Nintendo Switch. Like it just they all they, like. Like, for me, I'm already not interested in those games just because I'm not a JRPG fan. I'm not really an RPG fan in particular, but definitely not, like, anime RPGs. But but it's just that the other thing with these games is they always look so visually underwhelming. Like, they're just, like, a console generation behind with how they look. And I just... I, it's odd to me that people get as excited for these games as they do because even if I was a fan of the genre, just seeing how awful they look half the time visually, I'm just like, man, like, I don't I don't get it. I really don't. But anyway. Yeah, and they're, they're trying to do that, like, cinematic thing with these these character models that look really like they're going for the chibi look uh which i think worked really well on the 3ds i mean this was a really good looking 3ds game but the art style and the aesthetic just does not translate to uh to high resolution or or the way in which they did it is just like uh it's it's not good looking i mean you compare it to a game like octopath traveler which went for its own like kind of weird art style in uh that game was gorgeous this one looks i mean it looks really budget honestly and um and i know it's not because of like square enix knows how to make games that look good and and the nintendo switch has good looking games but i think uh this this is just another example of one of those series migrating from 3ds to switch and just like looking very strange uh, but, you know, like, that's not exactly what people are buying this game for. And a lot of the environments and um, and enemies still look really cool. So, you know, I imagine it'll be it'll be fine. I'm glad that, that we're getting a, a steady drip of JRPGs from uh, from the likes of Square and so forth. Uh you know, if not for me to play them for the people who enjoy them, you know, it's 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 nice that we're getting a lot of that same love for for RPG games that we got on the 3DS. Um, but this one will probably not reach your boy's hands because I just don't I don't have I didn't have time to finish Octopath Traveler. And so, like, am I going to start this and just, you know, eventually break, you know, have, have broken dreams for a game that I, I think looks really weird and silly? Uh Graphically speaking, not I, not I, Matthew. But um, but I know you know it's got its audience. This is, I think, the third Bravely game. Uh, it's got the the weirdest name for a game uh, award. So you know, there's there's that Bravely Default Two. That's that's a title, all right. 
but um, I'm going to default yeah, on that looks, game. <laughs> looks looks fine apart from the uh, the weird voiceovers and the the uh, strange translation of the art style. Yeah, but just another example, man. Like Pokemon looks rough. This game looks rough. That's what I'm Alpha telling you, Dream man. These, went bankrupt. These, these these that 3ds to Switch trans transition is is no joke, man. But it's also it's it's all these RPG games. I mean, I don't know what it is about them, but they just are the bare bones minimum as far as like making a game look and feel like a lot of heart and time and passion went into it. And they just don't, they just look like they just pump these things out. And, and maybe that's probably what they do. That's probably why there's so many of them, you know, and, and they probably focus on like padding the length of the game time. Cause all, most of these RPGs are all like hundred hour plus games, but they probably focus more on like, arbitrarily lengthening the game the the length of the game uh as opposed to making the game look more um striking or you know i don't know who knows who knows yeah well i mean i i think that um you know there's a lot of games that uh, like xenoblade chronicles 2 looks the way it does because it's also got this like vast gigantic world and so you, you kind of understand that and they they got to work with the hardware that they've got uh dragon quest ended up looking okay you know given the circumstances uh migrating its way to switch but but i just think like specifically with this game this this art style just does not translate well to to hd um like especially with the the overly clean textures that that are on everybody so i don't know maybe, maybe it's just a taste thing could just be me uh but you know, I think that game looks very weird. Uh, uh, there's also a Story of Seasons coming out, which, you know, the only thing of note that I, I think is worth mentioning for us who are not Stories of Seasons fans is that I wonder if if Animal Crossing is just going to eat this game's lunch or if uh, Animal Crossing will create more of a hunger for, for these, like, life sim games. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's... I suppose time will tell. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I, I've not the uh, the um, well of information on the <laughs> that on that on genre. Life sims. Yeah, because I mean, you can't. It's not like you can play. You'd want to play more than one of these at, at like a time, and and then you know every time I fall out of love with one, you know, like Animal Crossing New Leaf was great until I stopped playing it, and so I don't I don't want to like you know go and and invest in another game like this that I'm not going to, you know, I'm eventually just going to drop. So, so like you, you, one is enough for me. I don't know if other people feel the same way, but I, I, yeah, I'll be interested to see how some of that stuff does. Uh, Control and Hitman are coming to the switch via cloud gaming. Uh, This is a very interesting thing where every once in a while, a new publisher is trying this where, in Japan, Resident Evil was available in this in this way, and then Assassin's Creed Odyssey also came to the Switch in Japan through this method. Uh, and now we've got two more publishers playing with this uh, in 505 and IO. Well, you know, uh, Resident Evil 3 is actually doing the same thing as well. I know you were talking about oh, the... Oh, is it the, really? Yeah, it is. It's um, It's been confirmed that it's going to do the cloud streaming method for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, and and so that's that's kind of this like cheat code where you don't have to you know downgrade the visuals of the entire game uh, for 
for it to work on the switch and you can just you know through an internet connection send your button inputs to a server and the server you know streams the game to you i've never i've never played around with this experience i don't have much of an interest in it you know games like go on sale so often that you know it's like if i wanted to play a two-year-old game that was originally on playstation 4 I'll probably just pick up the $20 copy that's on PlayStation 4 and not pay, you know, however much money it costs to get this going on on uh, on the Switch. But, I mean, cloud gaming is definitely in the future. I mean, I, I think the more compelling case is like the, hey, you can try this game out in a browser window or you can try it out on your smartphone, whereas, like, the Switch is like a dedicated gaming platform. I'm just like, eh, I'll probably just, you know, play the games that I've, that I've got installed. But... Uh, It'll be interesting to see if if this is like a trend that grows. It could future proof the Switch to some extent, where they can have uh, you know even like PS5 games come to it. Because I mean, there's really there's really no limit for graphics capabilities when all you're doing is like streaming the video of the game and then sending your button inputs through a server. But I just think we we all have those stories where you know like it's like playing Super Smash Bros. Online is theoretically awesome, but all of your button inputs go through that tiny bit of lag and it just makes it you know just not not unplayable but just something that i don't want to spend that much time doing and i'd rather just you know invest the time to like get it working on you know a, a, whatever platform that i've got the physically here right and i think that's I, honestly i think that's the only thing that's prevented cloud streaming from really taking off because originally i thought i'm like this is going to change the industry but i think the thing holding it back is latency i think if you could somehow course correct on that then you i mean i think that at at that point i mean the possibilities are endless but i think that's the thing that's holding it back is especially for any online game like it's just not going to work uh with you know what we were, were able to do now but who knows if that'll ever change uh quick correction by the way resident evil 3 hasn't been confirmed for the switch it's just almost like crash bandicoot 4 where there's a uh, things that have been data mined or discovered that point to uh, that being a thing here pretty soon, um, but also that it's going to be a cloud streaming game. Yeah, yeah, and so it's um, yeah, it's it's like a in. I, I see that that article now that that's um, that's coming, but uh, but yeah, so basically you you download a free launcher application after which to play the game you they're they're trying to sell forty dollar copies um of of some of these games it's just like dude it's it's probably cheaper on on whatever other console that you can get and i get that it's expensive to have multiple consoles but um and and so like this this will be a solution for some demographic of people and i hope it works out for them because i mean it'd be like this stuff is eventually going to work uh but yeah like you said right now there's there's the latency problem there's the um lack of a good internet connection in in certain areas of whatever country you live in problem there is the problem of the viability of this model just from a cost perspective like it it just costs so much money to to run these servers and you know game pass is losing money and um you know it's it's just uh it's gonna be a tough thing to do but eventually it'll be here and i think the switch will be a nice platform for that because you can kind of sit on the couch and do your cloud streaming game with dedicated buttons and all that stuff rather than this this very weird solution that uh, that microsoft has come up with where you like put a 
you attach like a clip to your Xbox controller and then you dock your phone in there, which is cool too. But, you know, the Switch has a dedicated gaming platform. Man, if they get in on the ground level of some of these things and, um, you know, maybe get stuff like xCloud, that could be huge for, for Nintendo's future. Because, uh, you know, just from a hardware perspective, it's the perfect thing to have. I mean, you know, the, the Switch's strength is its versatility. You want to play it handheld? Cool. You want to play it handheld console? cool you want to plug it up to a tv cool like you could do all these different things and and cloud gaming can just be another another way to play and i think would strengthen the um the console itself even more so we'll see where it goes uh but i think for now we're probably going to see very soft sales and a lack of enthusiasm uh that has not been helped by google stadia's epic flopping yeah i i I would i would wholeheartedly agree with that so next up, we got uh, No More Heroes. The whole trilogy is coming to Switch. Uh, one and two are available now. They're currently on sale if you grab it fast. Um, uh, what do you think about this, Matthew? Sorry, there was a little bit of a uh, disconnect. You, you Were you talking about, did you say No More Heroes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's, you know what's funny about that is that there was, um, I saw a tweet that went viral that uh, at one point in time someone said it would it would suck if no more heroes was ported to the Switch and then they got this and so it's become this trend that every game that people want ported to the Switch that they're like man it would suck if this got ported <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I, I think it's cool I mean I've I've never played no more heroes uh, obviously I'm familiar with it to a certain extent because Travis Touchdown was a a uh, highly requested character for Super Smash Bros. And I saw a lot of people were really disappointed when he ended up just being a me costume. But I think this is cool because it'll give me the opportunity to check it out. I mean, I suppose I could have always checked it out on PlayStation. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, 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 again, I've never played it, so I, I don't have many thoughts on it. But I think it looks cool. I mean, like, I... I definitely am interested in seeing what it's about now. Maybe we can all play that to, together. Although I don't think it's multiplayer, but you know we can always all sit on and sit in on it and uh, you know check it out. Yeah, um, yeah. I think No More Heroes is is a game that I've always like been aware of, but have never played. I like that it's coming uh, to the Switch here, where the developers can make a little extra scratch while they get the next one ready and. From the perspective of someone who might be interested in four, it's like, oh man, let me yeah, let me check out where, where you know where the series has been. The trailer is delightfully, what is the word? Um, it is so strange and um, irreverent of of like presentations where so much of these trailers are like produced and there's the guy just here's the next game you might like and and it's just like all these hideous text and um <laughs> these borders of like it's coming today yeah you get your hand out of that mayonnaise jar my boy it's coming right now and, and like it, it's just the funniest thing that they they announced it in this way and it, it, it's just like a the game looks it looks to be that way too. It looks like you save the game by sitting on the toilet, which is just uh well, you know, that's that says everything you need to know about No More Heroes. So I think I'll be checking that out at some point um 
yeah, when I'm I find time. I think there will be a bit of a game drought in between uh, late November and February. Yeah, I, I always I always wondered what the there was the I think one or two of them were on the Wii. And I always wondered what those played like, because being a hack and slash game, like I always felt like on the Wii, that would be the perfect type of game to make a, a, a with motion controls. You know, like I just always thought that'd be a really interesting concept. So I'm curious how that turned out, but I'll have to look that up later. But yeah, so this this will be cool to finally check this out. Next up, they uh, they did part time UFO, yes. which was a app store game that I had played on the iPhone, like maybe like a two years ago at least it's it's been a while but that this is a, a hal laboratory joint that they're bringing over to the switch um instant download for me man the, the 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 game has this game boy advance aesthetic that is awesome all the pixely sounds and visuals are great and hal laboratory just knows how to make a fun idea Plus, they always make and, everything um, co-op, which is, like, my favorite thing. It's just everything's more enjoyable when you get to play it with somebody else. Yeah, so that's the new feature of the game. So the original did not have this this team-up feature nor the extra right. stages and content that they seem to have added. So that's what, that was the other reason why it's like, okay, this is an instant buy. But the game is hilarious. It has awesome music and visuals. It's, um, it's just, like, a good time. I... I wonder, like, I really liked it as an iPhone game because it was just like, you know, you had a, a spare few minutes, so you, you'd retry some of the challenges and and that, all that. But the Switch is like, you know, there's a lot of real estate for, for games um, that you'd want to play if you had a few minutes on your Switch. Although I would say this game fills the, the role of like, okay, I've got like five minutes. Uh, let, me, let me jump into something. It's fantastic for that. And playing it with another person seems like it'll be a lot of fun. So I'm... I'm I'm going to, this is definitely something that we're going to play because it's already on my Switch. I already bought it. It's already there. (laughs) And I got to say, the the game feels great with with sticks and buttons. So if you've already played the iPhone version, like playing this with the new controls is like kind of nice in its own way. But um, but yeah, yeah, really glad to see this come over. Uh, I love these small games from from uh, HAL Laboratory and from the Nintendo's first-party offerings in general because they, they kind of stopped doing them after the 3DS. So it's nice to see one of these things come back. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, it, it, it's weird. This game feels nostalgic, but there's no real nostalgia because it was just an app game. But I think it's because the UFO just looks like Kirby's UFO ability or the UFOs from the Kirby games. And so that's why there's this nostalgia factor with it. Couple that with the Game Boy Advance aesthetic you were talking about, which I miss Game Boy Advance, man. Game Boy Advance is one of my favorite systems of all time. I just, I love so many games on there and I love the way they all looked. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to check this out. We'll definitely have to play that and, and record it. Yeah, um, I'll also say the background story for the game is really funny too you're you're just like a ufo who's uh who's found earth and uh and you just start picking up part-time jobs so you can you can pay your rent and stuff it's just just like such a fun idea the name yep yep uh so the they ended the presentation with hyrule warriors um with uh introducing some more of the the characters and the story and uh now we see that the divine beasts can be used to uh 
grind the game's frame rate to <laughs> to a fine powder. Uh, but it looks like good fun. Looks like that <laughs> there will be some segments of the game where you do some epic stuff with the uh, with the guardians. We've got some destructible environments, so that's cool. Um, but boy, oh boy, does the game look bad when. <laughs> When they're doing these effects, I mean, oh my goodness! And I know, like with Dynasty Warriors, the thing is, like the, those games can never look all that great just because of the sheer amount of models that they have on screen at any given point. But, uh, but it's just kind of funny that they're like, you know, this is this is what they want to show us about the game at this point. Uh, you know, I, I the cool part about it, uh, all this is that the demo was then announced to be available later later today which is a nice little treat for someone who wants to just like jump into a new game for a couple hours i don't know what the point of the demo is i will say though uh because this this game this game's purchasing you know the sort of uh chart is like do you like zelda yes do you hate dynasty warriors no i'll buy it or yes, I will not buy it. It's it's really just that simple. Like there's nothing in this game that we haven't seen before, and uh, and so I, the only thing that a demo could show people is like that was cool, but you know I've had my fill, or I don't really like this like I thought I would, or it doesn't seem like the story or the voice acting or the cutscenes are all that impressive now that I've seen it in this light. So I. I it's weird from a strategic standpoint, but uh, but it was fun getting to try out the game. Well, I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying because I think this is the type of game where the less you know about it, the better. Because I think from a gameplay standpoint, it's very simplistic and not much has changed with this uh, you know, edition in the series, at least from what you can tell in the demo. But I just think there's not much nuance to the game, especially if you've ever played Dynasty Warriors and anything like that. So I feel like what people are coming at it from the angle of is that I love the Legend of Zelda series and I loved the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And, and that's cool. And I think they're probably interested in seeing the story elements that they play with in that game. But I just think aside from that, there's not really much there and i just think it's better for somebody to go in just being like i love zelda and i love breath of the wild story than to go in having played it and understanding that oh it's just like every other dynasty warriors game and it's exactly like hyrule warriors aside from a new uh incorporating like the um runes and things like that into the gameplay but i just um yeah i i I don't understand it. Uh, I really don't understand the hype around the game, to be completely honest. Not to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but I just I find it very peculiar that people are as excited for this game as they are. Especially when people talked about the whole releasing this demo so close to Pikmin, and people are like, man, Pikmin went from being, oh, that's so amazing, to a complete afterthought because of Zelda. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'd rather play Pikmin 3 twice because I played it on the Wii U than play Age of Calamity once. Because I feel like I have already played that game again. It's just now you give me a Breath of the Wild, like, uh, cel-shaded aesthetic. But that's really all there is. And then, like I said, if you're just interested to see what happens in the story, but ultimately we know what happens in the story yeah, or, or the result of it yeah. anyway. So, like, I, I just, I really don't understand the hype train for this game. But, I mean, good for Nintendo, you know? Like, I mean, it works for them. I just, I have to say, though, I don't have much interest in this one. Yeah, well, so I had I had I had a chance to sink my teeth into the demo here. So let me run you down uh, through the experience. Um, so the the story of 
I got to say, from a story perspective, the more that I see from this universe, the less interesting it gets because they're <laughs> they're not really like they're not really filling in the blanks with anything revelatory or interesting. They're just kind of reiterating the same things that you saw in those flashbacks. And the way that Breath of the Wild told its story was you would find these little glowing parts of the floor or whatever and you walk there and then you'd see this flashback memory that was just this one like poignant moment in Link's life and it's told in whatever order you discover these things in and very it's told very sparsely I mean we're talking about maybe like five minutes worth of cutscene in a you know 70 hour game so the way that they told that story through those tiny scenes uh, through like your conversations with people you meet inside of the world and the storytelling that the world itself does where you see all the ruined buildings and so on and so forth was very elegant. This takes a more typical approach where you see a cutscene and then you do a battle and then you see a cutscene, you know, so on and so forth. And so the way that the story set up so far is that there's there's a special little robot who travels through time and and you know who knows what what will happen with that he's not in the original game because he he wasn't created yet so uh he'll disappear or 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 you know perish in some sense by the end of the game uh but the other stuff that they add is just you know it's just like uh the the couple of scenes that we've seen are like explaining what the calamity is the champions yada yada and um and they're trying to like develop a scientific solution but also they're they're really just preparing and and you know it gives more context to that situation and so it so it is cool in one sense to see them digging the guardians um out of the earth and to be uh training and and studying for this big event, but from a story perspective, at least in, in the first couple of chapters, all you learn is that Link is uh, fighting in the Hylian army. We knew that um, King King What's-His-Name wants Zelda to, to access her powers, and Zelda doesn't feel like she can access her powers. So <laughs> nothing is different you at mean, this uh... point. And then... Um, and then Impa is introduced as this like clumsy kawaii anime girl instead of like the strong uh, stoic Impa that we know from other games or the of course much older Impa that we know from Breath of the Wild. This is a thing that Dynasty Warriors does every time. They always like insert insert a, a custom character like they did for Hyrule Warriors. There was this like belly dancer looking girl with a bunch of strange uh mirror attacks. Uh I don't remember what her name is and you know, she doesn't really deserve to be remembered. She's just a she's just a kawaii anime girl with blue hair that they add for whatever reason in, in uh, they, they did that in Hyrule Warriors. And now this Impa is like kind of like a, a, a canonical character, but made in the image of that. Uh, she, which, you know, like, you know, Impa can be how, however they want her to be. The Zelda designers are working on it, but I just don't find the character all that interesting or appealing. It's just like kind of, you know, typical character stuff. And, and I know a bunch of the other characters that were coming up. I know Rivali is your uh, standard Vegeta-like. Um, Daruk is your standard uh, Major Armstrong-like. 
and uh you know there's there's like i, I can just there's find anime an- parallels anime, yeah, for every character in I this was, game you literally took the words out of my mouth i was like you're just creating anime parallels for everybody but you know and and, and like it would be fine if if daruk was like major armstrong but he doesn't have the humor or the brawn to really like match up he's just like he's just kind of like in that mold but it but like a cheap imitation of it and um and yeah, so so the characters are just very strange. You're supposed to take Zelda very seriously because she speaks in a British accent, and I like I just don't understand at all the the dialogue and the voice direction that they gave her, where where it's like, okay, you're, so you're gonna speak nearly in this like Shakespearean English, and everybody else is gonna talk like uh, English dubs of anime characters, and that's. Like the the disconnect from when Zelda is talking about things that will come to pass, and I must protect everyone. Like you're supposed to take that seriously, and then in the next moment, there's a guy who is imitating Michael Jackson ad libs. I'm seriously not even making this up. It'd be like, dude, robots, man, robots are cool, dude. And and I know that certain series balance dramatic moments with comedic moments, and there's anime certain animes that are incredible at it to bring fomento alchemist up again very nice balance there between the the comedic moments and the the dramatic moments that that show is incredibly heart-wrenching and dramatic and also hilarious and they balance both but this game just i mean they just don't have the chops to fill in the story which is pretty much what i expected you know um the Zelda games have never had like great stories. They've always had good backstories. And I think from like a mythos and a world building and a lore standpoint, Zelda does a fantastic job, but for like moment to moment character development, it's, it's really quite weak. And and, honestly, I I think Zelda has, has less character development than peach and Mario Odyssey. Well, yeah. And I was, I was (laughs) going to say, I mean, that's, that's always been, what that's always been one of the things with Zelda to me that cracks me up is that you know it's it's people like uh love to tell you how great the story is and I agree with you I think the world building and the backstory is great but as far as character development and personality it's like you you can't have those things because your main character doesn't speak and it's like I understand they do a good job for what they're going for but I think that's always been Zelda's problem from a storytelling perspective is that you're so afraid of people not liking Link's personality that you just don't give him one to begin with and you're just left to infer what you think Link would be like and and I think that's Nintendo's angle that they try to make an excuse for that like we want you to envision Link the way that you think he is you know but I, I because you can name Link you know how every Zelda game you can name him whatever you want but I just think that's just an excuse for them to not give him a personality because it could it could end up being another other M situation where they give Samus a personality, which again, other M, the story was completely controlled by Nintendo and one of the people who worked on the original Metroid. But, uh, you know, they gave Samus the personality they felt that Samus had and nobody liked it. And so I think now you'll never see them experiment like that with Link. So, yeah, I agree. There's never been like a strong moment-to-moment story in Zelda. I mean, it's just hard to take a lot of things serious. I mean, you were talking about, you know, uh, Zelda's voice. The one that always cracked me up was the king's voice. You know, my daughter, you need to save my daughter. (laughs) You know, my daughter needs saving from Ganon. Go defeat Ganon. You know, it's just like... I'll I'll say, like, the the voice actors aren't, like, you know, you take the, the, the background music out, you take the visuals out, like, the voices aren't, like 
bad. It's not really like the actor's fault, but it's like the way that they mix it into the rest of the audio channels and the stiff animations that happen while they're like overacting on the voice over end. It's just like, oh, it's just a little rough. And I mean, Nintendo's done this well. I, I think like, you know, Fire Emblem Awakening, those the 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 cutscenes that they did in those were really really well done. Um and you know, there weren't that many cutscenes in that game either, but like I don't I don't know, like just whoever they've got like directing these um these voice actors, they just need to like, you know, uh try a little harder maybe. I- I'm sure it sounds a million times better in Japanese uh where, you know, they probably actually care about the the like quality of the voice actor. I mean, here they're just like, "Ah, eh, we're just localizing it just to, you know, get the get the get the usual people." But um but yeah, so anyway, like the story and you know, the, you talk about Link's development as a character. There's a, there's a lot of opportunity for that here because, you know, we know the end of the story because we know the beginning of Breath of the Wild that Link eventually fails. And you could show maybe some growth in Link being just a, a regular soldier in the army to becoming Zelda's right-hand man. You could show a lot of this, but I'll tell you exactly how it happens in the story. The first level of the game is you doing a battle in Hyrule Field and Link is just a regular soldier, which is really funny because every soldier's got a helmet on and looks exactly the same and then Link just doesn't have a helmet on. <laughs> so it's kind of a funny look, but, uh, but you know, fair enough. Uh, after that first battle, you just become Zelda's guard. Nothing happens. No, like, big moment happens except that you're standing next to Impa when Impa see Zelda and they know each other already. Uh, And then you're just Zelda's right hand man. And then in the second chapter, Link reflects the guard, the beam of a guardian when they're caught off guard and they didn't even know that the guardians might attack them. So instantly, you know, that perfect shield reflect that, that you do in the games. He just instantly knows that there could have been some opportunity to like show link getting a little bit better or uh, some progression from like regular high rule guard to Zelda's right hand man, but they just jump straight over that. And I think it's just cause they, they, you know, the Zelda team, they're not, they've never done this before. They've never told a story like that. And I, that's why I thought breath of the wild, the way that they approached storytelling was so compelling and elegant uh, was because they they pulled it off in in a unique way that was really befitting of a game. You know this this one has is, I mean it plays exactly like like Hyrule Warriors where there's some kind of like in person cutscenes. Of course these ones have like you know they're a little more produced. They have voices, but but a lot of the storytelling is delivered via slideshow where you just uh, listen to the words that they're saying and see like you know, 2d drawings and they're, they're stylistically done, but I mean, they're still like, you're just kind of like waiting and listening for the listening to the game, tell you what happened instead of like seeing it happen. Uh, but you know, all that aside, it like, it's, it's probably, I, I don't think the story is going to, going to give this game a lot of, uh, a lot of oomph. Uh, but thankfully the gameplay has been upgraded a little bit. It's not going to blow you away. It's still Dynasty Warriors. You're basically like going to walk in in a bunch of straight paths and uh, take over forts, and then you know that's basically the entire game. But uh, the 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 enemies that 
so like you know the way it's set up if if you if you're unfamiliar with with these types of games that there's like a hundred you'll be surrounded by a hundred guys and they do nothing they they just stand there and wait for you to hit them and so they're they're just kind of like fodder there will be a strong enemy in like one of one of the one out of a hundred will be like a strong enemy that you actually have to fight and the way that this has happened in most Dynasty Warriors games is you just kind of, like, fight them. You don't do much damage. But then after they do a big attack, they have this little circle that appears. And if you attack them, the circle starts to uh, deplete that meter. Once that meter is depleted, you can do a, a finisher move that um, that pretty much takes them out in one hit. And this game follows that that same tradition. Which I gotta say, like, for, that formula is really weak sauce, in my opinion, because... You, you just kind of wait for the enemy to attack, then you attack them to deplete that meter, and then you press X to just finish the fight, and you see a cutscene happen for your character to to finish them off, which is the same cutscene every time. And it's like, you know, you'd rather just fight them. Isn't that what this game is about? Uh, but in any case, this game has a lot of more interesting ways to approach that formula. So instead of just waiting for them to attack you and um, and then you doing that, you can dodge at the right time, activating that kind of like slow-mo thing that happens in Breath of the Wild, and then you can uh, deplete their meter that way. If they're charging at you, you can use the, um, the cryotech, the ice rune, to catch them off guard. And then uh, there's also, if you do wait for them to create that opening, you can freeze them in time with the stasis ability uh, to take advantage of that moment. So there's a lot of different ways to approach any given situation. If they're shielding, then you can use bombs to, to break their shield. And it's all the variety that this game was always dying for. Uh, you, they even put the paraglider in the game. It's, it adds a nice little bit of mobility, uh, but the way you jump is kind of awkward. You have to attack with a weak attack and then do a strong attack and Link will be put in the air and then you can paraglide instead of just being able to jump. I don't know, man. I didn't make this game. Uh, and so that's kind of weird, but it has some nice mobility uh, to the game. And uh, But yeah, I mean, all these things culminate into an experience that is very much like Hyrule Warriors, but just with uh, with some more variety peppered in. It's going to be interesting to see this game like try to, you know, create variety in the enemy types because Breath of the Wild did not have much. And what was interesting in that game was like, you know, that you could roll a bomb down a 30 foot tall cliffside and roll a bomb into a group of people and blow them up that way. You can't really do cool stuff like that in this game. It's every enemy encounter is more or less the same. You're going to make small adjustments to your strategy, but you know, you just kind of fight a group of enemies and then you move on to the next group of enemies and capture the bases. Like, it's it's fine enough. And, like, honestly, you know, I, I like in this, this type of gameplay to just kind of, like, you know, eating, eating like, uh, your favorite bag of potato chips. Like, it's, it's not artfully designed. It's not going to blow your mind. But it's just, it's tasty and it's a nice little snack. Um, I'm making a lot of food, food analogies today. You can tell I haven't eaten. <laughs> but... <laughs> But yeah, so that that's that's the game. Uh, once you get out of the battle, all the items and stuff that you collected by defeating enemies or chopping down trees or whatever um, is added into your inventory, and you can do different stuff with that. Some people are talking about like a, a vast equipment system. That's probably not the case. 
From the demo, they have a fuse weapons menu, which is the same sort of weapon fusing thing that every Dynasty Warriors game has ever had. So I don't think there's going to be much that you can see there, though there is like equipment that you can put on. Uh, so Link has like different outfits that you can put him in. And so we'll see if they do much with that. My guess is that Link is going to have a few outfits and that's probably going to be the end of it. They're going to be like little stat upgrades or whatever. But um but the other things that you can do is uh, you can gain materials and you spend those materials to either like get a new combo attack or to unlock a new special attack. And so there's also these other things in the in the overworld where you can um, unlock merchants and stuff. And all this is done through menus, just the same way it would have been done in the last Hyrule Warriors games, except it's done in that Breath of the Wild style where it just feels a little bit fresh. And so, you know, uh, fair enough. I, I, I like it. I like it a lot more than, uh, than the original High Warriors. And, um, and yeah, I, I mean, yeah, other than that, it's, it's just kind of like rinse and repeat sort of gameplay. Like if you want to power up your bombs, you have to play through a brief level where you have to attack a bunch of the same creatures you've been attacking for the last hour playing the game. And then your bombs powered up. And so there's there's going to be a lot of that like repeating content and just stretching out the clock in this game. And I hope they keep that separate from the main campaign because the main campaign, you know, if, if they're at least you're getting a lot of visual diversity because the, the four levels that open up when the demo ends is you going to recruit the four champions. And so we're actually, you know, at least we're going to have a lot of visual diversity. There's some boss characters that that appear in those. But if it's anything like Hyrule Warriors, you're, you're going to see those bosses so often that you're going to throw up every time you see the imprisoned again. Um, you're like, oh, I'll get to cut his toenails again. It's fun the 15th time. Uh, but, you know, all that being said, like, seems like just a, a better Hyrule Warriors game. Most of these games get a 75 on, on Metacritic. Uh, I think that's a little generous. Uh, the, uh, the Michael scale would not have them that high, but this this game will be a little bit better than that. So, I, you know, I'm I'm predicting an eight on the Metacritic scale, but this will be an interesting test of just like the strength of the Zelda bump because Hyrule Warriors was like a spinoff game, but this this feels like more in in line. They're they're trying to like inject it into the main Zelda series, at least uh, in in this in a story sense so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if this game gets a bunch of tens from like uh crazy zelda fans or or if uh if it'll you know kind of fall in line with every dynasty warriors game i mean my prediction is that this is going to be a solid game the story will be underwhelming and it'll be a short game with a uh, a just a gargantuan sum of reused assets which is the the funny thing that that um about Hyrule Warriors coming to Switch, people are like, look at all the content you're getting. Man, it's just the same stuff, but just like mixed in a bowl and regurgitated. Although, you know, getting new characters is fun. But um, yeah, in any I, case, I, I, that's yeah, that's I, my long rant about the demo. Yeah, I, I, honestly, the, the the closing thoughts I have on that really is I just, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the the, the score of the game is going to be one thing, but I'm... I, I'm interested to see how this game sells now because you were talking about how the story seems really underwhelming. And that's kind of my fear with this game is I just think, like I said, to me going into it, the only thing you have to really hang your hat on as a typical, like people are excited about this game are, you know, it's the fact that it's Zelda and the fact that you get to explore more of the breath of the wild lore. But I just think hearing you say that the story seems underwhelming and the fact that people are going to play it and realize, Oh, this is just dynasty warriors, Hyrule warriors again. I think that 
um, this demo could have a negative effect on sales because I think people are going to realize that there's really not much there to be excited about unless you like Dynasty Warriors a lot. Um, but I just think also the whole thing with Pikmin 3 now, the demo might take focus off of that. And so who knows? You could end up with the situation where Pikmin 3 doesn't live up to its potential and then Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity doesn't either because Pikmin 3 gets overshadowed by this demo, but then this demo kind of gives you too much insight to the game where I think, like I said, I think this is the game where less is definitely more. And uh, I think a demo was not what this game uh, needed to succeed because it sounded like a lot of people were already really excited for it. The only group of people that I think this, this demo reaches well is the group of people like me who played Hyrule Warriors, thought it was like, you know, really just kind of bland and boring and showing them that this game is slightly better and maybe worth your time. I mean, like I, I guess that's, that that's the only group that it's reaching. And for, you know, to its credit, like I am, uh, I've moved from, uh, entirely unconcerned with this game to eh, marginally excited. I like, I'm, I'm like, okay, I could play through this. That's uh, <laughs> that's where it's moved me. So it's moved the needle up. I was gonna play it anyway because it just you know our 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 lot in life covering all this stuff. And not to say that the game's gonna be bad. It's just not gonna be anything like you know super special. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I gotta I gotta throw this disclaimer in there. I hope I'm so wrong about the story and that it knocks my socks off. But what I've seen so far, did uh, did stain it, Chief? The, the the scientist character making the Michael Jackson ad libs, come on guys, come on, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's the greatest game ever. In that, um, it'll be awesome. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I we'll, we'll see. And uh, man, I just in in this game could have been so 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 much better if they did some sort of online infrastructure or some sort of like multiple switch multiplayer option all right well now you're, so now much you're of the stuff into... that you do in games is like you know splitting what the two characters do and switching between them and oh my gosh it's such a missed opportunity like because this game's it already it already doesn't look super great and then you're gonna split the frame rate in half and then have it look even worse with split screen it's just like you it's just not worth playing like that well now you're getting into review territory which we should definitely save our thoughts on that for whenever we get our hands on the game but <laughs> yeah yeah but we'll see how it turns out i mean I'm, I'm still like you know fairly excited to uh to try out the game and and we'll uh we'll be there when it comes out but uh that's that's gonna be it for this episode of we the people join us next week as uh as i give my in-depth thoughts on pikmin 3 deluxe i'm gonna jump straight into that face first as soon as i uh hit the record button again here so I'll see you uh, next time with uh with some more nintendo news 